2: Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Wednesday. It's May 3rd. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortillaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The NBA playoffs, they're underway for all participating teams now with the Lakers and the Warriors getting their contest in the West started last night, the Lakers coming out on top, and we'll have a Lakers discussion with Harrison Fagan of silver screen and roll around 10:15 today. But as we typically do, let's set the scene with today's poll questions and we'll get things started here with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Which was more impressive during the Lakers' game one win, building the 14-point lead or regrouping after blowing the lead and regrouping after blowing the lead, Bob continues to be out in front, but it's down just a touch, 83% of the vote, building the 14-point lead sitting at 17%.
1: Yeah, it really looked like for what 43 or 44 minutes of this game that the difference of two two days off to prepare for the Lakers really mattered. And then you know, as I as you know Steve Kerr was quick to point out, but what's he supposed to say after the game? But uh, Kerr pointed out that you know, the, his team, the Warriors, looked like the fresher team down the stretch. So maybe that wasn't the case. But it was uh, an interesting, uh, well-played game. And uh, maybe it's just the Warriors at this point. You know, there was seven games against the Kings. That was pretty fun. And, uh, you know, multiple games in this series look like they could also be pretty fun.
2: So maybe people are coming around to so their fun brand of basketball
1: Well, I think we've always thought that. Uh, So, you know, I I know a lot of people are sick of the Warriors, and I understand the uh, dislike for Draymond Green and so forth. A lot of people rooting against them just because of him. Uh, But uh, they're fun, and uh, they've been, I think, fun for a long time.
2: KDOS1060.com, the place for the poll question. We'll answer it around 1130 today. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Bob had a conversation with Zach Kreiser from Yahoo Sports. If you missed it, talking all things Major League Baseball, you can podcast over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. But the question here, do you believe in the first place Pittsburgh Pirates? A phrase, I mean, how long ago would we have to go back in time to say the first place Pittsburgh? Pirates, uh, but the masses are undecided. They're in a 50 50 split between yes and no.
1: First place, it's been a while, but playoff Pittsburgh Pirates, not all that long ago. I mean, they had some really good players. Uh, you know, the Garrett Cole years, and obviously Andrew McCutcheon, the first time around for McCutcheon. He's back there again. Uh, but, uh, you yeah, know, they've uh, been really good. They've uh, got some very nice young players. I think much like the Diamondbacks, it's uh, you know there's no way that uh, any organization could have planned all the rules changes uh, that kind of incorporate more athletic baseball, whether it be on the bases or in the field. And I think the Pirates and the Diamondbacks, you make a case, are the two teams just by what they had available in their minor league system and some of their better players improving. I think that those two organizations come to immediately, to my mind, Uh, As the two teams that have benefited or should benefit the most from the rules changes, not necessarily just this season, but I'm assuming these are going to stay in place, these changes uh, that I would imagine both these organizations are on the rise for a while.
2: So we'll answer that question as well around 1130, giving you an opportunity to cast your vote on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. We'll also open up the phone lines around 1030 and 1115 today. 602 260 1060 is the number to join the show. Let's start things here though with the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Suns news. You had in game two with about 432 to play in the third quarter. Chris Paul exited the contest, later uh, announced that it was a groin injury. Yesterday, Shamshere with The Athletic tweeted that Paul is expected to be re-evaluated in one week after the MRI and that the team is prepping him to be uh, to be without him for games 3, 4, and 5 of this Nuggets series. Later last night, the Suns put out an official press release saying that Chris Paul sustained a left groin strain and is considered day to day. Before Paul exited, he was 4 of ten, eight points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, and during this playoff run so far, he's been averaging 35.7 minutes per game 12.4 points per game five rebounds and 7.4 assists so obviously the question here is one how much is this going to impact the Suns two what directions does Monty go to fill out the starting lineup
1: yeah um, but let's go back to Paul from uh, from the game on uh, on Monday night um you know he had the, the Suns without him got 14 points in the fourth quarter uh, before the game, you mentioned uh, you had eight points, six assists, zero turnovers uh, in 25 minutes in that game. The Suns were up three when he got hurt. Obviously, it went horribly after that. Cameron Payne was awful, uh, more, more, more awful than we've seen him recently. He, and he was really bad on Monday night, though. Uh, two points on one to seven shooting, zero out of four from behind the arc. They had one assist in 17 minutes, and the Nuggets, they're not stupid. They just attacked Cam Payne at the defensive end of the floor, and he offers zero help at that end of the floor at all. Uh, So what do they do now? Uh, Do they actually just start Devin Booker at point guard? Do they actually start Chris Paul at – excuse me, me, Cameron Payne at point guard for Chris Paul? Um, Really, Payne has done nothing uh, and I know he was injured for a while, but quite frankly, he hasn't really been consistent at very many points of this entire season, and he's been in and out with a variety of injuries. Unfortunately for him, really since I believe it was the first week of you know, first week of just, uh, January, I remember he was out for maybe a month at that point or several weeks. It seemed like uh, he's just not been the player. He had a great bubble performance, uh, and that. Uh, That resulted in the Sun signing him to a contract extension, which looks like a mistake right now.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, he's Monty Williams certainly has plenty of decisions to make there, whether or not it's going to be start campaign or go in a completely different direction, put somebody else on the floor and, like you say, really have Booker become more ball-dominant. We've obviously seen him, uh, out of necessity, do that already in these playoffs and then have campaign come in in a very limited dispelling role off the bench like he has been. So uh, there's time for them to figure this out as they don't play again until friday but does it feel like at this point that the mountain is too high to climb especially after not getting game two and the chris paul news at this point uh kind of having to say well now kevin durant and devin booker are going to have to be even more special
1: i think it's highly unlikely uh but you know it's not impossible uh, the Nuggets are really upset that there's all this time between games two and three. That was even—I think they were—they up, were upset before the Paul injury. They're—they're uh, they're really pissed. Uh, if you watch the post-game press conferences on Monday night, Michael Malone and Murray and Jokic, none of them were specifically asked about the layoff between Monday and Friday. But they all just voluntarily talked about it, and they're really upset about the way that the schedule works. And it is unusual. I know that there's hockey involved and God knows what else as far as these schedules go. But, you know, they have all this time off. And the Lakers and the Warriors, are, they're literally playing every other day for two weeks. If it's a seven-game series, they play every other day.
2: Uh, I do want to go back for a second to Chris Paul, and just in general of uh, how much he has been plagued by injuries, especially in the playoffs. Uh, it just really stinks for a guy personally to to be in this particular situation throughout his career uh, in a son's uniform alone. Last year, you had the left quad injury, the thumb injury. In 2021, you had the shoulder injury. You also had COVID. You also had the left wrist surgery after the finals. Uh, so, just in general. How things have gone for him in the postseason and obviously we know uh you know the type of player that he's been throughout his career in the postseason uh that has you know kind of passed him by a little bit here he's now 37 and he will be 38 i think in a couple of days so certainly this is not how you would like things to potentially end in a son's uniform for for chris paul
1: I can't imagine anybody should be surprised about this. Unfortunately, he was injured in some of his days in the postseason before he got to the Suns. Um, you know, I harken back to the, I forgot what draft it was, Jaylen, the Jalen Brunson draft. Uh, the Suns, that's before they got Chris Paul. But the Suns had two chances, as did every other team in the league because Brunson didn't get picked in the second round. Yeah, you know, I forgot the guy's name that the Suns picked, the dude the point guard from France who was just pathetic. Uh, that's who they picked instead. As I mentioned, the Suns weren't the only team, obviously, not the Chris uh picked Jalen Brunson, but at the time, uh, was advocating they go for Jalen Brunson, who I was a big fan of in college. I'm guessing that almost everybody that watched Villanova uh play was a big fan fan of Jalen Brunson in college and uh it's uh, just kind of, I, I, I can't help myself but think about, well, what if they just drafted him? Uh, and not necessarily even thinking about Paul. But, you know, they got the Cameron Payne situation now, right now, and he's not good.
2: Are you thinking of Iliacobo?
1: That would be him. That guy was absolutely awful. And uh, it didn't seem like a good pick at the time. That was a McDonough pick. And uh, you watched him play like X number of minutes, and how many games you wanted to use as a sample. And there was no chance that that dude was going to be a good player.
2: As I mentioned, the Suns will get game three started on Friday night. We'll continue with NBA talk on the other side of the break as we'll head on out to the KDOS hotline. Harrison Fagan, silver screen and roll set to join us. We'll dive into the Lakers, their game one victory over the Warriors and just the potential uh, that we have coming up for this series and what we expect about it. So we'll do that on the other side of the break. It, of course, is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Make sure you're downloading the app and taking advantage of the listener rewards available to you. Harrison Fagan, Silver Screen and Roll, next right here on Extra Point.
0: Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060.
2: Welcome back to extra point right here on kdos am 1060 as always you can follow along with us online at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports we pop on out to the kdos hotline harrison fagan repeat guest silver screen and roll set to talk lakers with bob and myself harrison how are you today
0: uh i'm doing well it was uh, you know stayed up pretty late last night covering that win but you know it's always more fun to do those after a win than uh you know the alternative
2: yeah suddenly that sleep deprivation just hits a little bit differently if there's a win involved in it right
0: yeah, but, exactly.
2: But before we get into the specifics of Game 1 and also this series moving forward between the Lakers and the Warriors, I have a broad question for you following the Lakers' 117-112 to 112 win. What stood out to you in the first contest, and did you ever think to yourself that the Lakers having more rest heading into the game played a major factor?
0: I do think that that was part of it. The Warriors did look a little bit tired. I mean, they the Warriors take a lot of threes in general, but they took, you know, like almost a historic amount last night. I think over half their shots were threes. I think they took about 50, uh, if I'm remembering the box score correctly. Um, and, you know, it, it was just they were, they were firing away from deep. I think, you know, Steph clearly didn't have his legs for most of the game. He got it going there and a little bit in the fourth. And, like, I think they're going to play better than they did last night. But I think the Lakers, you know, as far as the thing that stood out the most to me, I think – Uh, it was that the Lakers appear to have some good options to sort of change up their coverages on Steph. You know, between Austin Reeves, Dennis Schroeder, Jared Vanderbilt, they were able to throw a number of different looks at him that I think were able to frustrate him a little bit, and he really only got going in the fourth when they tried to get more offense on the floor, and he was able to target D'Angelo Russell a ton.
1: So heading into game one, I actually thought the Lakers were in a pretty good spot because of the extra two days of rest and prep time. Anthony Davis said before game one that it was a must win. Was it a must win?
0: I do think so because I think if you're going to, you know, if you're the lower seeded team, I, I think you, at the very least, you have to split on the road. But especially if you can get that first one and kind of steal home court advantage back, I do think it puts a lot of pressure back on the team that went into the series as the higher seed. You know, so I I think that getting that game one can be pretty huge. And, you know, hey, I mean, that was a pretty good recipe for them in their last series. So I can't blame him for wanting to emphasize that.
2: Harrison Fagan, Silver Screen and Roll here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. So you kind of alluded to this a bit here uh, to start. The Lakers had 92 field goal attempts, 6 made threes, shot the ball 29 times from the foul line. The Warriors had 106 field goal attempts, 21 made threes, and 6 foul shot attempts. This is just really contra- contrasting styles of play, but with the way that the Warriors play when the Lakers are going to keep moving forward here, what areas should the Lakers have some concerns and really be trying to guard against?
0: So, I I think that the number one thing is that the Lakers are going to have to continue to stay active. You know, a number of guys, uh, Austin Reeves, Dennis Schroeder, Jared Vanderbilt talked about how challenging it is just to guard Steph and how dangerous he is because he will, you know, to hear them describe it, he will run around basically for 23 seconds and then off the ball, and then he may finally put up a shot at the end of that. And it's just an exhausting cover, and it's not really even an individual assignment; it is a team-wide assignment. You have to be locked in for the entire 24-second shot clocker in a couple of the Lakers' possessions last night. You know, like 48 seconds, like almost a minute. You know, whatever when they're giving up a couple offensive rebounds because so much attention is going towards Steph or Clay or these other rotations that they're making, that they're giving up offensive rebounds occasionally, and so I think that, you know, sort of limit, making sure that they can limit the Warriors to one possession you know, on those misses I think is going to be huge, I think AD was really, you know, seemed to put an emphasis on keeping Kavon Looney off the glass I think they saw how he sort of gashed, you know, uh, the Kings on that, you know, over and over again in that first round series, so I, I think that sort of trying to limit them to one shot, and just, you know, it, it's going to be mentally challenging and you know physically taxing to stay that locked in on Steph over the course of a seven game series and so i I think that like trying to push past the fatigue factor i think is going to be huge and also again like why i think getting game one last night when they were as fresh as they're going to be in this series was huge
1: davis 30 points 23 rebounds five assists four block shots i know they won a championship in the bubble but considering the opponent and the circumstances, was last night his best performance in a playoff game?
0: Yeah, you know, I saw a couple of people kind of theorizing that. I still can't quite get there just because I think his two-way impact like in the like in the bubble was still at its peak a little higher. I know he had the 30 points, but a lot of that was like on setups, you know, sort of guys dumping it off to him, being you know offensive rebounds because the warriors don't really have. You know, beyond Looney, they don't really play with the traditional center. And so in those kind of bench units, especially AD played the whole second half, those minutes when Looney wasn't out there, or when he was in foul trouble, he was able to get some really easy buckets. Like, I think the bubble was probably still the, the where I would say I've seen the most impressive AD, especially early on in the, that final series against the Heat. But, you know, as far as defensive impact, this is definitely the greatest I've ever seen him play because the, the Lakers have never needed more from him than they have so far during these playoffs. They don't have sort of the, like, insane, you know, depth of wing defenders that they had in that bubble series, even though I just, you know, praised a couple of the options they have on Steph. They still aren't quite that deep defensively, and a huge, huge part of their you know defensive strategy in these playoffs has been we are going to try and run guys off the line we are going to send them towards ad and hope that he can contest every single thing at the rim and he's just been a monster uh there on the glass everywhere and so you know i I mean i don't know if it was his most impressive game that he's ever played but I, i think this run is definitely the most impressive sustained defense i think he's played in a laker uniform
2: Sticking with Anthony Davis for one more question. Uh clearly everything seems to be funneling through him and especially trying to uh, use things in the paint with him. When will the Lakers get in trouble if they continue if they move away from Anthony Davis? Will that be where things start to kind of break down for the Lakers?
0: Yeah, I do think so because he's kind of clearly their biggest advantage in this series. You know, the Warriors like I mentioned in the last answer like they, they just don't have the size You know, Draymond has traditionally frustrated AD throughout the course of their careers, but I honestly was really uh, sort of, you know, if you're if you're rooting for the Lakers in this series, like you're sort of optimistic about how he looks against Raymond last night. It didn't really look like Looney was able to limit him very much. It's just the Warriors do not have a clear answer to sort of frustrate and bother him. And you know, I'm sure that they'll start to send more double teams, they'll they'll start to try and get the ball out of his hands, things like that. But the Lakers advantage in this series is Anthony Davis. This is an Anthony Davis series for them, you know, more that that is their biggest advantage. And so I, I think that they have to continue trying to whether it's getting him the ball on the move getting it to him in the post you know trying to the lakers guards have done a really good job of putting up shots you know after they check to see if ad has his guy behind him already boxed out and so he can get an offensive rebound and so that's kind of been part of their game plan where like we'll put up the shots but we're trusting that ad can get it if they miss and you know i, I think combining all of it, it com- in conjunction with sort of the Warriors' deficiencies on the glass and, you know, in the post, I think that this is series for him. And then, you know, factoring in also, like, the free-throw advantage as well. When they're going to be going into the paint that much, he's a pretty solid free-throw shooter. Like, you know, he's going to have to be their best player, I think, for them to win this series.
1: Okay, so I got, we got a poll question out there today. Which is most impressive, building the 14-point lead or regrouping after blowing the fourth-quarter lead?
0: Honestly, probably the latter for me, because I think that we've seen so many teams just, you know, wilt under those Warriors' runs, and that's sort of the mentally taxing aspect that I was talking about, you know, earlier, is, like, you you can do every single thing right for 22 seconds, and then all of a sudden, you know, they just hit a ridiculous three from five feet behind the three-point line because they have the greatest shooters of all time on their roster, and it's just, uh, it's demoralizing. We've seen it sort of take the spirit out of other teams, and, you know, to be able to sustain that 14-0 run, and, you know, come down. D'Angelo Russell, a guy who had just airballed the shot for possession before, coming down, you know, getting his guy in the post, finishing over him to sort of give the Lakers a two-point advantage and a tight game for a guy that, you know, people were wondering about sort of his playoff bona fides. That was impressive you know, the Lakers staying locked in and continuing to, you know, stick with the game plan. We're going to try and force the ball out of Seth's hands. We're going to trust each other to make the rotations and, you know, being able to sustain and weather that I I think is more impressive
2: Harrison Fagan, Silver Screen and Roll right here on KDOS AM 1060 and uh, the KDOS 1060 app. So as this series continues again tomorrow, game three back in L.A. on Saturday with the every other day going, does fatigue end up playing a factor here and how has Darvin Ham seemingly addressed keeping guys fresh?
0: So I I think fatigue is going to be a factor as the series goes on, but I think it's going to be for both teams. I mean, the Warriors just came off a seven game series themselves. It's not like they're getting more rest between this one and uh, the next one than the Lakers are, or that they're like significantly younger. So it's not, you know, like they're playing some young upstart and there's an advantage there. I I do think that, again, LeBron is going to be the guy that, you know, you're going to worry the most about as the series goes along. Like, can he continue to saying this on a foot injury that he's playing through looked a little bit limited at points last night after a pretty engaged start to the game so i think that's the one that i'd worry about as far as you know like fatigue and as for how darvin ham's going to handle it i think that we saw like he's going to take some time out try and give guys breathers and you know i'll be really curious to see how much he's able to continue pushing ad minutes wise because he played him the whole second half You know, last night, played him 20 minutes in the first half. I don't know if that's sustainable over the course of an entire, you know, playoff series. And so at some point there's going to be some more of these either Wenyan Gabriel minutes or there's going to be, some moments where it's like LeBron and Rui in the front court and those are I, I think for anyone that watched the Lakers for Memphis series those are concern points because that's where the Lakers can really hemorrhage points at the rim and so I, I think that they're going to have to do everything that they can you know extra ice extra massage keep AD able to play as many minutes as he can because otherwise you know without him out there for a, a pretty good chunk of minutes I, I the Lakers are going to struggle.
1: D'Angelo Russell you mentioned him 19 points six assists how much is he into the revenge angle since the Warriors didn't want him around anymore?
0: You know, I, I think, I I think there is a little bit of that. You know, I I did think it was very funny in his post-game interview last night. uh, He was asked about how hard it was to communicate defensively with the crowd. And he's like, ah, well, they weren't, they are not really that loud. And, you know, I, that did not go unnoticed to me as him sort of taking a shot at those fans and that fan base and that team. It's pretty clear from, you know, from both Warriors people and, you know, like the way that D'Lo has talked about them, that that was not a very enjoyable, you know, several months that those two sides were together and there's not a whole lot of love lost or mutual respect there. And so, you know, I I definitely think there is, he looked aggressive and ready, and he wanted to sort of attack his mismatches and those kinds of things. And, hey, like if he's hitting shots like he was last night, then that's a good thing for the Lakers. They're just going to have to make sure that, uh, you know, they do a better job of making sure that Steph can't uh, sort of get ISO'd on him because D'Lo can have all the all the sort of, you know, revenge in his mind and motivation he wants. He's not going to be able to stay in front of that guy.
2: I have another one on Darvin Ham here for you. How has he handled rotations, game plans, defensive schemes, and have you mostly come away impressed with his playoff coaching?
0: Uh, I would say mixed bag so far. I have been impressed with his playoff coaching the last two games when he sort of seems to have recognized that, hey, maybe the team – that I want this team to be where we're going to have these kind of smaller lineups that outskill you and, you know, get out and run you off the floor with shooting. You know, it's just not the team that this team is like, they need some more kind of size and physicality on the floor to sort of, you know, augment their existing strengths with LeBron and AD and, you know, enough shooting to get by. But, you know, I really in game, uh, in Game 6 of the last series and Game 1 of this one, he has completely gone away from Malik Beasley, which I think has been a positive, you know, sort of uh, part uh, thing for the rotation. He is just not a playoff player to me. I, I, he wasn't even hitting shots and he really can't do anything else. And so, you know, pretty limited sort of skill set. And I, I think that it was smart that they went away from him. I think that it was smart that uh, you know, they started to play Rui more. They started to dust off Wenyon Gabriel instead of doing the LeBron-Rui front court late in last series. You know, So I, I think that he's made some good schematic adjustments. And most of all, I think that Ham deserves a, a ton of credit for the team that this team was during the first half of the year is not the same team they are now, both in terms of roster and, you know, like skill set wise, but keeping the entire group that's left over engaged for that entire period when things seemed so hopeless, the two and 10 start, you know, it, it seemed like maybe no help was on the way keeping them sort of from letting go of the rope during the part when AD was out or when LeBron was hurt. You know, I think that that's where he deserves probably his biggest credit because we've seen that that's not something that necessarily every single coach and locker room leader can do
1: the warriors they went small late in the game last night do you expect more of that in uh, game 2 moving forward or was that maybe just the Lake? Uh, excuse me the warriors going small because they were you know desperate and chasing points
0: i think it was probably more of the latter one you know i do think that looney is going to continue to play in this series because he's really sort of their only shot to box out ad but you know that said Like I don't know that the Warriors—they—they don't exactly have a lot of big lineups they can go to. You know, it's either like they play Looney or and Draymond together at times, or they don't, uh, because they don't really have another traditional center on the roster. And so, you know, I think that that is this is a series that, you know, the Lakers have an advantage in because even though they don't really have a traditional backup big man themselves, neither do the Warriors. And so you're not going to – they're still going to be able to get their stuff at the rim, which is really where this team is strongest. You know, you saw the free throw differential last night, how much they were driving to the paint. The team has a lot of driving players and less so sort of on the perimeter shooting front. And so I think that almost regardless of how the Warriors are playing – the Lakers are going to continue to attack the rim just because the Warriors don't have the personnel to sort of limit that. Sort of like last series where there were moments where Jared Jackson Jr. was able to sort of sway the Lakers from driving and, you know, kick out some more threes, and that was able to swing a couple games from Memphis. The Warriors don't have that sort of advantage.
2: Harrison Fagan, silver screen and roll here on KDUS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Realistically, the Warriors aren't going away here. They'll make adjustments. So how do you see this series playing out the rest of the way?
0: So I went Lakers in seven before the series, just because of sort of the step factor and just being terrified of him. He is, you know, an impossible cover in so many ways. And, you know, just as dangerous of, as like, I think any NBA player that I've ever watched or certainly, uh, you know, rooted against in the playoffs. And so, um, you know, he is, you know, he is capable of swinging a couple of games in the series on his own, but other than that, I really like a lot of the Lakers matchups. I like that they're going to be able to win the free throw battle every single night because of how much more physical they are, how much more they're going to the rim and how many threes the Warriors shoot. Like, I don't think the Warriors are going away, but I, I do think the Lakers, you know, last night only sort of further emboldened my belief that the Lakers can win this series.
2: Harrison, thank you so very much for the time. And we look forward to doing it again if, uh, you know, the Lakers keep on winning.
0: Yeah, you know, like I like I told Bob last time, I'm always happy to come back when the Lakers are winning. I feel like I only get invited places when when something goes wrong. So, you know, who knows? Maybe that'll be the next time you have me back uh, if the series goes the other way.
2: We're on a bit of a streak here, so we'll try to keep it rolling
0: i appreciate it
2: thanks once again he is harrison fagan silver screen and roll and that lakers and warriors series got underway last night and it will uh get started again tomorrow for game number two your turn
1: harrison's scheduled for today before before the game last night so there
2: that is true we did yeah. uh and he and it was all confirmed Before the game. I know we talked about it. Sometimes it doesn't get confirmed until later on, but confirmed before the game. There we go. 602-260-1060 is the number. If you'd like to join the program, we'll take your calls now. Get to you on the other side of the break. We will continue some NBA playoff discussion. There was another game going on yesterday and that was over in the Eastern Conference with the Knicks and the Heat and another Eastern Conference game set to get started today. Is Joel Embiid playing? Is he not? I don't know. Question marks. But Your calls. 602-260-1060. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 on online at kdus1060.com.
0: HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD 2.
2: 1041 here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along online at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Bob Kemp. It's Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's continue the NBA playoff conversation, and we'll go back to last night over in the Eastern Conference. Somehow, someway, the Knicks held on to beat the Heat, who were without Jimmy Butler, 111-105. to Caleb Martin got the start, contributed a team-high 22 points for the Knicks. It was Jalen Brunson, 30 points, Julius Randle, 25 points, but Julius Randle attempting to inbound a pass late, having his foot over the line, giving some life to the Heat there at the end. Uh, But first of all, how are the Heat doing this? They just keep losing players. I thought maybe the regular season Heat had told us everything we needed to know about, well, maybe we just need to accept that this Heat team is not the Heat team we expect them to be, especially with their trials and tribulations in the play-in game. And here they are uh, really making it quite a test for their opponents.
1: I'm not surprised now. I mean, uh, Eric Spolster is a tremendous coach, arguably uh, the best current uh, playoff coach, you know, like east of, you know, Steve Kerr in the NBA. I mean, they're always good. They always seem to get guys to play hard. You know, I don't know how much of a Pat Riley influence there is. Obviously, he's still a a big part of this organization. But uh, not that surprised. Uh, you know they were really you know, they were in control of this game in my opinion uh, for the majority of the game. Control is maybe a strong word, but I thought they were in really good shape to win uh, for the majority of this game. And then the Knicks just dominated the fourth quarter. Uh, the Knicks they ended up winning by six. They outscored the Heat by seven in the fourth quarter. You know, Randall uh, made a few plays, but you know I understand you almost had a triple double. It looks great, but if you watch the game. I don't think he played that well. Uh, he missed a bunch of easy shots. You mentioned the out-of-bounds situation. Uh, to me, Brunson and Jaylen, uh, Jason Hart are the reason they won this game. You know, Brunson, a game-high 30. Hart, was he almost had a triple-double on his own, 14 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists. And Brunson and Hart, those were the two dudes who made the biggest plays of the game for the Knicks in the fourth quarter when they rallied to win.
2: Uh, they will play again on Saturday, 1230 p.m. As it was this morning, the Knicks were plus three and a half and the Heat were minus three and a half. Uh, let's move into the game tonight for the Celtics and the 76ers. You had James Harden's 45-point performance in the late three to give the 76ers the victory, 119-115 and ultimately the 1-0 series lead as it is right now. Uh, In game one, the 76ers shot 44.7% from three. I think it's fair to say that natural regression will take place, but also the Celtics should be more aware of defending the perimeter as well. The Celtics need to involve Avoid costly turnovers, try to get the 76ers into turnover situations of their own, as the 76ers did a great job of taking care of the ball in that game one. But here's the question, is Joel Embiid going to play? There was a report this morning uh, from Sham Sharinia of The Athletic that it was a a possibility that he's going to go tonight.
1: Well, the point spread's just gone nuts in the last 24 hours regarding this game. You know, the opening number was Boston, a nine-point favorite. It went up as high as 10. Then there was some speculation yesterday. Actually, the team declared that you know, he wasn't likely to play. And then Embiid, during uh, his MVP you know, you know, announcement yesterday and his various press conferences, seemed to indicate he was going to try to play tonight. The point spread, to my knowledge, went as low as seven in several locations in the world this morning. And now it's back up to, look at right now, it's up to, there's lots of eight and a halves out there again. So eight, eight and a half seems to be the prevailing number. So I don't know if that means, there. I don't know what's happened, if there was a shoot around and they've changed their status or what's going on. But, you know, at least the marketplace, as far as the wagering market, uh, seems to be dancing all over. And a lot of the speculation, I'm sure, about that number. Is you know trying to figure out whether Embiid would play or not. To me, I don't care if he plays or not. Quite frankly, if the Celtics don't start guarding people, it doesn't matter. Uh, they didn't guard anybody. You know, the Hawks have a really good offensive team, so I kind of use that as a first-round excuse. Uh, but they didn't guard anybody. You know, Harden had 45. My God, I mean, he's not that good anymore. He was for one night that tied his career playoff high. You know, also, you know, there were several other players uh, that you know that got off and scored more points than they should against this Celtics defense. But if Boston doesn't figure out that uh, they need to start guarding somebody, they're they're going to be in trouble in the playoffs rather quickly, and I guess as quickly as this series.
2: You know who didn't score, PJ Tucker. He also didn't even attempt a shot, and I thought I had saw something that that was some sort of uh, playoff record that he played like 37 minutes, didn't even have a field goal attempt or a free throw, and zero points in the contest. But uh, obviously, he's out there for different reasons.
1: Well, he's he set some of the most fierce spring screens in the history of the NBA, including the last possession of the well, it wasn't last possession of the game, but when Harden hit the three to give them the eventual game winner. Uh, the, he's the one that set the screen that got them the 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 matchup that Doc Rivers wanted. They you know they, they ended up switching on. Uh, you know Al Horford was actually trying to guard Harden on that play, and that is exactly what Doc Rivers wanted them to do, which they did a lot of the game and Philadelphia. Uh, did, made all the right moves and boston never seemed to adjust to that and other things but tucker had a huge influence in that game on on uh, whatever the hell night that was it seems like it was a long time ago you, several days ago
2: you you mentioned al horford there uh, on the the screen do you think it's about time that robert williams will be getting some more minutes because uh, obviously his defensive presence is needed for the celtics
1: I don't know if he can stay out of foul trouble. That's the one thing that he's had that problem in some of these games early in the playoffs. And also, there's always a big health thing with Robert Williams, whether his knees can actually make it through a long series with a lot of minutes.
2: Uh, As you mentioned, though, Joel Embiid did win the MVP award. He averaged 33.1 points per game, 10.2 rebounds, 4.2 assists in the regular season. season. He received 73 first-place votes. The the Joker finished second. He had 15 first-place votes. And Giannis finished third with 12 first-place votes. I know the MVP award uh, just does a lot to get you excited.
1: Yeah, you said the Joker? The joke is that Embiid won this award um you know based on what he's done in the regular season uh so if he ever steps up in the playoffs and actually can make it through an entire playoff run healthy then maybe we can give him the mvp
2: uh well he would be the finals mvp or the because they don't really do like a playoff run mvp
1: that's true but uh you know then i would be impressed i I don't care who wins any regular season mvp award in any professional sport the way that it's currently constructed because it's based on the worthless it's certainly more worthless than ever this year regular season mb mba mvp
2: the pga tour they are at the wells fargo championship quail hollow charlotte north carolina it's a designated event uh, Rory McIlroy is back in the field John Rom, Scotty Scheffler are skipping this event But we'll try to figure out who we think is going to have a good week And find some winners on the other side of the break It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 As always online at kdos1060.com And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports
0: Social information about KDUS AM 1060. Try KDUS1060.com, at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com/slash KDUS AM 1060.
2: Over at Putting World located in Scottsdale 16259 North Scottsdale Road you can get a day pass $39 Sunday through Thursday $49 Friday through Saturday play as many times as you like on the 18 hole putting course test your skills with friends and family compete in the Saturday night c- putting contest also Putting World has the performance studios and instructors to help you better understand your putting and how to putt better Bob I'll tell you this part here putting world helped me have success in our scramble on friday uh there were three four holes in a row where we hit it fairly close the three people in front of me in the scramble didn't make the putt and so then who had to come to the rescue and make make the putt so we could get some birdies and and uh improve You're our score
1: yourself right now point uh, yourself right now you uh, I'm like the, th- <laughs> the, th- the thumbs up pointing yourself
2: I might be. I don't know. Uh, you know, okay. It's it's quite possible, yes. Uh, okay. But Putting World helped me be able to be ready to go for all of that. Great food and drinks at Bar 19. And with the heat coming, get out of the heat. Enjoy some bragging rights with friends and family over at Putting World. That's puttingworld.com. One other bit of item before we get into the PGA uh, Tour event, Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow. Bob, the match, it's back. This time, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey versus (laughs) Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Does that do anything for you?
1: Not really. Um, I like watching them all play their respective sports.
2: Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this one. Obviously, Mahomes has been a part of it before. Um, I don't know how good Travis Kelsey is or Klay Thompson. Obviously, Steph Curry is pretty good. He's played in some... um, like minor league golf events before and has held his own so
1: i'd like to go drinking with those guys or at least dinner (laughs) or something maybe not necessarily drinking i don't drink anymore which is sad in itself but uh that would be a fun uh dinner group for sure
2: Uh, Yes, definitely. All right. So the Wells Fargo Championship here, the last time it was hosted at Quail Hollow was 2021. It was ranked the fifth toughest course on tour. Things that we want to look for are strokes gained off of the tee, strokes gained tee to green, strokes gained approach, and strokes gained driving distance because it's a monster of a golf course. 7,538 yards, par 71. You also want to make sure you're kind of looking at things from 2018 2019 2021 as well as the 2017 pga championship there were course renovations done and it got started at the 2017 pga championship and then last year uh they did not compete at quail hollow because the president's cup was contested at quail hollow so disregard 2022 from course history favorites this week Rory McIlroy plus 750, Patrick Cantlay 15 to 1, Xander Shoffley 16 to 1, Tony Finau coming off of his victory 17 to 1, Jordan Spieth 19 to 1 and Justin Thomas 21 to 1. I'm going Patrick Cantlay here at 15 to 1. He ranks 11th and approaches 200 to 225 yards, ranks 2nd in strokes gained off of the tee, ranks 6th in strokes gained tee to green. He's playing as good as anyone is without a win so far and We're sticking with this theme here, a caddy change, and maybe that means you ascend yourself to the top. Also here, uh, he split with his longtime caddy, and he's going with Joe LaCava. Joe LaCava, of course, is Tiger Woods' caddy, which then leads us to think... Where's Tiger Woods at health wise if he's off of Tiger Woods' bag and onto Patrick Cantley's bag uh, in a permanent fashion? So we'll see how that goes. Also, going Cam Young, 21 to 1. He ranks fifth in approaches, 175 to 200 yards, ranks 12th in strokes gained off of the tee, and ranks 18th in strokes gained tee to green. Our top. Finishing positions, Victor Hovland, top 20 for plus 115 numbers coming to you from the FanDuel Sportsbook, Ricky Fowler, top 20 at plus 175, Jason Day, top 20 at plus 115 and our long shot, which makes absolutely no sense why he plays well at this golf course, but he does a T18 in 2021, second in 2019 and a T16 in 2018. It's Joel Damon, top 40 at plus 180. So we'll see how the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow coming to you from North North Carolina shapes up this week another designated event then they'll have a week in Texas and then it's the PGA championship up in the Rochester area so plenty of good golf ahead for the PGA tour we wrap up our number one now and we'll be take a break and be back with our number two of extra point on the other side it is Bob Kemp Kayla Mortillaro with you